Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks. We thank you that on a beautiful morning like this, we can come into this place and sing praises to your name in freedom without worry. And we owe that freedom to people who guard that freedom. Father, I thank you for these veterans. I thank you for their families. I thank you for the ones who are not here today, Father. And I just pray that you would pour out your blessing upon them, that they would know our gratefulness, and that you would bless their families and their homes. Father, I know there are so many who bear scars and wounds from their service. I pray your peace and your healing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Where did all these children come from? Oh, okay. Well, you can go on back to your classroom. Now, thank you for coming in, children. And thank you to all of our veterans who are watching online, too. That was for you also. We don't have sermon notes this morning, so don't think you're missing out on sermon notes. I didn't get a chance to put them together. This morning, we've been in a series called .com, and this morning our, our com word is, is a very important word, and it's what this is really all about. It's, it's compassion. It's been on my mind for a little while, this, this idea of compassion. So what is compassion? I did a, a Bible search on the word compassion, beginning in the Gospels. I like to go to the Gospels because when, when I'm searching for something, my first go-to is, is what did Jesus say about it? So I go to the Gospels. And, uh, and I notice that the word compassion comes up 12 times in the Gospels. One time it referred to uh, Jesus was telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. The other 11 times, it's either Jesus saying the word in reference to the Lord above, or Jesus showing compassion to people. So 11 of the 12 times is about the Lord's compassion in the New Testament. Psalm 145.8 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. It's kind of interesting um, The Greek word, I love words, the Greek word most commonly translated as compassion, if you go back to the Greek, actually means to be moved in the bowels, the guts we would say here, to be moved in the bowels. So Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when the, the, the translators brought this word into our language, moved in the bowels doesn't really sit very well, does it? I mean, if you looked at this, this you changed that. I think I put it on there. Can we go to the next slide? Nope, go back, sorry. <laughs> Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he was moved in his bowels for them and healed their sick. Doesn't, doesn't really sound that good, does it? He was moved in it like, nah, 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 nah. 
So they use this word compassion. Now here's the essence of the word compassion. So com, or dot com, whenever you hear the prefix com, it means together in association with, but with intensive force. So I'm with something, but there's an energy, there's a force, it's intense. And then the word passion has changed. It's one of those words that's evolved over time. Nowadays, we talk about passion when it comes to love. You know, they're passionate about something. But the origin of the word passion means to suffer. That's what it means. That's why we call that week leading up to Easter the Passion Week. And the word passion actually came out. uh, It was a religious word to express the suffering of Christ in that week leading up to his resurrection. And, uh, and the suffering that, that he thought. So, so when you think about the word compassion, if you put those two things together, calm as a prefix, together, passion as in suffering, means to join with someone strongly in their suffering. So now if we go back to this Matthew 14 again, and, and we kind of, all right, let, let's put that in there. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, And he felt their pain and their suffering in his very core. It means to feel something. You know, we use that word gut-wrenching. That's this. It's gut-wrenching. You feel it on the inside. It hurts on the inside. It's like, oh, this is what Jesus is experiencing here. When, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. Sorry, that's the wrong verse, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus saw a huge crowd and he stepped from the boat. And he felt their pain and their suffering in his very core, in the pit of his stomach. And being overcome with mercy, he healed their sick. It's not, compassion's not a light thing. It's not just, oh, I feel sorry for you. It means to join in somebody's suffering. I don't just feel sorry for you. I want to come alongside of you. I want to get into your suffering, and I want to join you in that suffering. It's a strange thing. It's not passive. It's active. Compassion does something. It's the ability to feel somebody else's pain and step into their pain. Now, where does compassion come from? Three sources. The first one is the Lord. Like I said, 11 times in the Gospels, it's 12 times the word compassion comes up. 11 times refers to the Lord. We've looked at Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 9, 6. Again, it says, this is Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He felt pain on the inside for them. He was moved on the inside because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's that passage of Scripture where where Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The compassion he felt was for the people who are lost and far from him. And then in Matthew 15, 32, is the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000. This is a different one. It says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. Now that's a sermon right there. They've been up on the mountain with Jesus for three days, listening to him teach, and he's healing. They haven't had anything to eat, and they're not leaving to go to McDonald's. They want a little bit more Jesus. 
And they're up there for three days. And, and, it, and then Jesus feels his pain in his gut for them. Like these people. Wow. They've been up here for three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Or they may collapse on the way. And then there's a time there were two blind men. And they call out to Jesus. They call him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And in Matthew 20, 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. And I really like this one from Luke. It says, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Jesus is going into a village. And as he's going into the village, a a funeral possession is coming out of the village. And, And this mother is there. She's a widow. She has no means of support. And her only son is the one that they're burying. And Jesus sees him. And he has compassion. He's moved on the inside for this woman. He says, don't cry. That's a typical male response, isn't it? Don't cry. I can deal with a lot of things, but not the tears. I don't want the tears. And if you carry on reading the passage of Scripture, obviously Jesus does something about it. So the first sort of source of compassion is the Lord. The second source of compassion is people. Some people are naturally compassionate. They've got the gift of mercy. Those are the people, you know, when, when something's going on, they just show up. And they always show up. They come around, they've got the right word, they bring the right things, they, they do the right things, and they're always there. They're just compassionate, kind people. Some people, I don't know if that's a gift from God, but some people just seem that they're just compassionate. And, and Jesus talked about this in, in the parable of the good Samaritan. He says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He was moved on his, there was something inside of him that saw this hurt man. He thought, I got to do something about that. Now, I don't know (laughs) if if it's a gift from the Lord. What I do know is that not everybody has the gift of compassion. Compassion and mercy don't come naturally to me. Which leads me to the third source of compassion. Life lessons. Life will teach you to be compassionate. I remember many years ago when Sandra and I first moved to Canada, 1980. And we encountered someone begging for money. Now, I'd seen that in England, but it's not common in the city where I came from. And it might be, it's very passive. Somebody might be sitting over in the subway, you know, and they got a little sign, but that's it. No one had ever come up to me and asked me for money. I hadn't experienced that. And uh, we were going out. We were downtown Edmonton. We were all dressed up. And I can't remember exactly, but I think we were going to a Christmas do in the Hotel McDonald which is kind of like the hoity-toity hotel in downtown Edmonton. So we were all dressed up, and, and we're walking to the hotel, and this, um, this fellow, Native American guy, comes up, and he asks for money. There's a huge problem in Canada with uh, First Nations people, indigenous people, drug addiction, chemical addictions. The suicide rate, make sure I got this right, is three times, the suicide rate for indigenous people in Canada is three times the rate for non-indigenous people. So something's wrong. Something's going on there. But this is 1980. 
the reason that we're in Canada, there's an oil boom going on. They can't get enough workers. And we're out, you know, and, and, and this guy's a young guy, looked fit, strong. He was bigger than me, taller than me. And he comes up to us and he asks for money. And in my nice way, I looked at him, I said, get a job. Which he didn't take very well. And then he walked alongside me for a while as we're walking, and he was berating me and yelling at me, what do you mean, get a job? And I'm giving it back to him, and eventually he leaves us alone. It was a little bit scary, because I don't know if he was going to stab me or something, but, and all along, my wife is just, shut up. (laughs) I had no compassion for his situation. I didn't know his situation. I couldn't care less about his situation. Just don't bug me. I'm on my way to somewhere with my wife. I'm dressed up nice. We're going to have a nice time. I don't want to hear from you. Get a job. Let me tell you something. Life will teach you to be compassionate. 41 years later, I see things differently. If someone asks me for money, I don't always give money because that's not always the right response. I don't tell them to go get a job, though, because I have no idea what's going on in their lives, what brought them to this situation. You know, maybe they messed up. Maybe it's their own fault. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances, but I do know this. There's a circumstance. And life will teach you to be compassionate. Things that happen to you. You know, I've shared many times, years in the 80s. God's got a sense of humor. I went through anxiety attacks, panic attacks, to the point where I couldn't work. And it was, if it wasn't for the compassion of other people, maybe I'd be asking people for money. And then my son, who suffered from um, chronic depression, watching what he would go through. I remember one time he, t- he shared a story with me. He was at, at a transit station downtown, one of the train stations. And uh, a man came up to him. There were a couple guys in the transit station, came up to him and, and, and said, can we help you? He wasn't begging or anything. They just came up and said, can we help you? He said, they gave me $60. They just came up and they just said, I, I can't remember the details. It was something along the lines of, you know what? We've been praying and we want to help somebody and, and we think God led us to you. Here's, it, it impacted him so much that somebody would just be kind and compassionate for no reason. For no reason. <sighs> Life will teach you to be compassionate. And if you haven't gone through from some stuff and mercy is difficult for you, I pray for you. Because at some point, God's going to bring you to a point where He'll teach you to be compassionate. You know, it doesn't come easily. It's easy to be, okay, let's just get real. It's easy to be compassionate with people we like, with people that we can relate to, to people that we know. 
We may not always agree with their circumstances or their stories or, or how they respond to life, but you can be compassionate if there's something there. But it's those people that we don't like, right? Oh, I hear politically these days, we use the word they. They. Whoever they are, whatever side of the wall you might be on, those other people are they. We talk about they. And what about those people, you know, the ones that don't deserve compassion? The ones who have done things that they don't deserve any compassion. You know, what's the saying? You made your bed. Now you go lie in it. Well, what about stupid people? I mean, we all know them. People who do things, stupid things, that, that make them wind up in difficult situations, and they always want us to rescue them, and they just keep doing stupid things, and they always want us to rescue them. It's hard to have compassion on people like that, isn't it? It's like, you made your bed. Now go lie in it. Here's the problem. The problem is God. Take that the right way. (laughs) And his requirements. Here's what got me onto this. I read my Bible. I started Genesis. I've shared this many times. I go through to Revelation. And I start again. And I just keep reading it through. And recently I was in Micah. And in chapter 6, I'm sitting at the breakfast table. and, And I'm I like to ponder. I like to think about the words. I don't just want to get through the chapter so I could check that off, get to the next chapter. And in Micah 6, verses 6 to 8, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? What can I give God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. And I can feel Micah's passion in this. And then this verse, he has showed you, O mortal, what is good. In other words, you already know. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I went away and I pondered that. And I thought about, you know, well, God has showed me what is good. To act justly means to be fair. To love mercy. Okay, well, how do I balance acting justly and being fair with doing what's right in mercy? You know, it's a conundrum sometimes. And walk humbly with God at the same time. And this has been mulling around in my mind for a while. And then I'm reading Luke. Our small group is doing Luke. And, um, and Jesus does what Jesus always does. One of the things I love about, and this is why I like the Gospels, Jesus doesn't leave any wiggle room. Like when he tells you what it is, he pretty much tells you what it is. And there's no way, you know, well, if I look at it from this angle, then I can get this at it. No, he tells you what it is. And in Luke 6, 35, 36, he says, love your enemies. Do good to them. I don't like that for a start. <laughs> Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. It's getting worse. <laughs> then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. That's okay. 
for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Taking a downturn again. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. All right, that's pretty clear. I must be compassionate in the same way that my Father in heaven is compassionate. You know, I read stuff like that and I think, maybe Buddhism's a better option. (laughs) Go sit under a tree, just connect with everything that is good, you know. Maybe that's a better option. And I tell you what it tells me, I still have a lot to learn about compassion. Life lessons. So let me show you what I mean. You know, last week, Randy talked about Kairos. Kairos is a prison ministry. It goes into prisons and ministers to prisons. And it's a place of compassion. And a couple of years back, um, I participated in one of these Kairos weekends. Randy had been on a couple. He had invited me on on the last day. They have, um, what do they call it? Closing ceremony. And you can go into the prison and, and watch the closing ceremony. And all the brothers in white, as they call them, come up on the stage and they talk about what happened during their Kairos weekend. It's very powerful. And Randy had been talking to me about it, so I thought, I want to experience one of these Kairos weekends for myself. So did the training. A, you give four or five Saturdays, you do the training, and then the weekend it starts on Thursday. So it's a commitment. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, and each day you go into the prison at night, You could come out and sleep, and then you go back in the next day. And it's a very, very powerful experience and very, very intentional. So you go into the prison, and you set up 14 round tables, six chairs around each one. Have I got that right? So there's going to be 42 brothers in white, and then there's 40, 50 members of the Kairos team. And it's very, very intentional. Each table has three of the team members and three of the brothers in white. And they're they're very intentional. Usually there's an African-American, a Hispanic, and a white person at each table because there's a lot of racial tension inside of our prisons. So everybody's sitting at a table with someone that they might be a little ill at ease with. So you've got me, you've got a brother in white, you've got another team member, brother in white, there's a brother in white, team member, brother in white, team member, brother in white. Yeah. See, I can add up to six. And, uh, and when they first come in on Thursday, it's a weird experience, especially for a newbie. They all come in and they are highly suspicious. They live in an environment where you can't trust anybody. And they don't know why we're here. They come in, and, and their, their mind is, what's your angle? What, what, what's in it for you? I'm a newbie. My first one, that's me. What's in it for you? Why are you here? And I know they get good food, and they have air conditioning. At the institution that we go to, Hutchins, they don't have air conditioning for the inmates. That's 105. Yeah, I'm not right about that. So I'm thinking, well, they're coming here because they're going to get good food. There's an outside team and an inside team. And the outside, they chicken and all kinds of good stuff. And these guys don't get that. And they also get a weekend away from all of the crud that's out there. And it's air-conditioned. 
So there's my mind. That's what they're here for. They're not really interested in what we're doing. And they're wondering, well, what are you all here for? So we set up these tables, and, and you all sit at these tables. And uh, it's very tense to start with. But the people that have put this together have done a really good job. They, they script everything, and, and questions and presentations, they're all designed to break away the barriers so that people can get past the stuff that keeps us separated. So come Friday afternoon, we've had meals with them. We've talked with them. They've listened to presentations. The barriers are starting to come down. They're starting to open up. They're always amazed because they ask us. They ask the questions. Well, what are you, why are you guys here? Who pays you? We're volunteers. What? <laughs> you came in here for nothing? And then we talk about the meals. The meals are provided by people that buy a meal for them. And then the placemats are made by kids at the churches. And, and, and you buy a meal ticket. And, and it was kind of neat at mealtime because I'm sitting with a group, my, my group that I'm in. And it just happened, I think I shared this last week, that each of the meals around me were provided by Lakeway. And these guys were like, well, what's Lakeway? Well, that, that's the church where, where I work. Why, why did they buy meals for us? Because they care about you. And, and so you, you, this process is starting to happen. They're just as confused. And the barriers start to break down. Now, one thing that you don't do, you don't ask them why they're there. But as the barriers come down, they tell you. So I'm getting to know this guy on my left, and uh, I'm actually starting to quite like him. And then he, he shares his story, and he's a drug dealer. Not one of the guys at the top, but not one of the street guys, but certainly he was into it big time. I have a real issue with drug dealers. I've seen too many young lives ruined by people who take advantage of other people's weakness. And it burns me. So immediately, this guy that I'm getting to like kind of moves out of my like category into... Uh, and we go home that evening and I'm praying about it. God, you know, you got me sitting at this table and this guy's a drug dealer. And I heard what the other guys did too. I don't remember what they did, but I remember this one. And I'm struggling with this idea of this drug dealer guy. I think he's in there for a reason. And he's in there for a good reason. And I'm glad he's in there. I have very little sympathy for people who exploit other people's pain and suffering for their profit. But the weekend continues on. And God is good. He listens to our prayers. He works on our hearts. Let me tell you how compassion works. There's a lot of wisdom in that saying. You made your bed. Now you've got to lie in it. Because sometimes the best thing is for people to feel the discomfort and the pain and the consequences of the choices they've made. And for us to rescue them from those consequences is often the wrong thing to do. They need to feel the pain. 
That might be the road to healing for them. That might be the road to change for them. But here's what compassion does. And, it's, and, and it's, here is where that passage in Luke comes alive. You must be compassionate just as your Father in heaven is compassionate. Here's compassion. You made your bed. Now you have to lie in it. But I'm going to come and lie in it with you. I will bring the light of God's mercy and love into your darkness, even though you don't deserve it. Because I don't deserve it. And Jesus brought his light into my darkness. That's the compassion from God that he tells me to show other people. Compassion is to feel someone else's pain, whether they deserve it or not, and to step into that pain and be there with them and for them. And watching those guys through the weekend is an absolutely incredible experience. And if you can go to the closing or be part, Randy is leading the next one at Kairos, which is in February. Training starts next week. Week after next. And you know that it works. You know, I, I'm still a little bit, yeah, 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 you're here for food and air conditioning. But you know it works because you see the evidence of changed lives. They start small groups in the, inside the prison. These guys are meeting in small groups. And then the next Kairos, they do them twice a year, a whole bunch of the guys that were in this Kairos, the brothers in white, serve in the next Kairos. And I shared this statistic last week. In, in Texas, 80% of people that are inmates in the prison go back to prison when they're released. When they go through Kairos, that number flip-flops. 80% of them stay out. It works, and lives are being changed. But going into prison, that, that's one thing. That's a very specialized circumstance. And, and there are many ways to be a part of Kairos. If you wish, talk, Randy, can you wave? Randy, who was leaving? He's got a table set up there. You can, you can sponsor a meal. You can make a donation, a prayer chain. There's, part, there's the outside team that cooks meals and cookies and everything else. There's the inside team that goes in. There's all kinds of ways. Talk to Randy. The training is going to be right here at Lakeway for the next one. You have no excuse <laughs> for those that are moved that way. But there are opportunities for compassion all around us. Thanksgiveaway. We're going to be doing Thanksgiveaway. This is something that we've been doing for years where um, Benny started. I talked about it last week where we cook a meal, a full Thanksgiving meal, and we deliver them to families on Thanksgiving Day. And I remember last time out, Sandra and I went into a lady's house and she shared her story with us. And she'd been living there for years and, and circumstances, life beats you up sometimes. She'd got to the point where she could no longer pay for her house. And it's so hard because I can't pay for her house. But I can pray for her. I can give her a meal. I can put my arms around her and cry with her. 
and enter into her pain and walk with her. That's what Thanksgiving Away is all about, the toy run. We have the toy run coming up. We partner with the six skulls. And, and this is where compassion has got to get real for me. So there was a young lady that came up to, uh, came here earlier last year. She was at last year's toy run, received some gifts. She said, oh, this is so good. I'll be back next year. And my mind, my uncompassionate mind is, oh, you're already planning to be in need next Christmas. (laughs) You're not planning to try and get out of your situation. You plan to be in need. Like, what are you talking about? That's not compassion. It's not my concern. Jesus didn't say be compassionate to people who have earned your compassion or who deserve your compassion. He just said, be compassionate. Period. Hard. There are people all around us. There are people sitting in this room right now that have pain and hurt and darkness in their lives who need us to come in and show them compassion. Get to know them. To talk to them. Like I said, some people it comes naturally. Some people have got to work at it. And I'm one of those work at it. Now, let me close up with this. Sometimes we close ourselves off to the pain and suffering of other people because it's inconvenient for us to acknowledge it or do something about it. So we just kind of build a little wall around ourselves and we serve ourselves and we serve ours, but we don't ever go beyond that wall into the lives of other people. And then you read verses like Luke 6. Be compassionate as your Father is compassionate. And Jesus didn't say, if you feel like it, if it's convenient, if it works out for you. He didn't put any qualifiers on it. He said, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of mine, be compassionate as your Father is compassionate. Period. Here's the thing. I I don't think there's anything more fulfilling than bringing the light of the Lord's mercy and grace and His compassion into somebody else's darkness. It makes you feel good to bring light into somebody else's darkness. The Lord has compassion toward us. He steps into our hurt and our pain. He steps into our mess and He lets His light shine in our darkness even if we are the cause of it. He says, I love you. That's why Jesus came down. That's why he walked with us. I'm coming down to your mess. I'm going to experience your mess. I'm going to experience your pain. I'm going to walk with you, and I am going to have compassion. I will be moved with compassion. And we are called to do the same. Colossians 3.12. Nice plain. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If this is something that you struggle with, as I often do, ask God to soften your heart. Ask Him to let you see people the way He sees people. Ask Him to let you see people the way He sees you. And be compassionate. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, King of kings and Lord of lords, Father, I love Your Word. And sometimes I don't like Your Word because it's hard. Thank You for Your compassion. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your kindness. Thank You for those people, Father, that You have gifted with compassionate, merciful hearts. I pray Your blessing upon them. And Father, for the rest of us, life will teach us lessons. I pray that in those lessons, You will be with us. You will comfort us. You will have compassion with us. And Father, through every single lesson that You bring us through in life, may we not waste the lesson. May we learn from it. May we be softened. And may we be compassionate. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, some announcements. Thanks giveaway. I talked about thanks giveaway. This is coming up, Thanksgiving Day, which is November the 25th. Here's what we need. On that back table, some of you picked them up last week, there's a little shopping list of things, food that we need. We need turkeys. When do you need them by? week before, 17th or 18th of November. So bring them here. We can put them in the fridge, freezer, and then you cook them up the week before, right? Anytime between now and then. But on that back table, if you didn't get one of these last week, you can go and get a little shopping list. It's hard. Everything is so expensive now, isn't it? It's just crazy. I went and got a sub yesterday. I remember used to pay like Four bucks for a six-inch sub. They're now like seven. It's, really? But there's a food list. If you can't donate or you don't have an opportunity to go to the store, you can make a donation. If you go to our website, click Give. One of the options in there is Thanks Giveaway. It used to cost, when we printed this last year, about $80 to feed a family. I bet you it's more like 100 bucks now. Maybe, maybe 120 I don't know. But that's how you can give. We also have another form back there. It's a thanks giveaway family recommendation form. So if you know a family that could use our help, here's what I need you to do. Fill out the form. Give us the form. Do not talk to the family yet. There's only a certain number of people that we can physically feed. We don't want to promise something that, that we can't do. And in years past, we've been struggling on Thanksgiving Day to try and provide meals for people. And We try to help everybody that we can. But realistically, 12, 13 families? 12 to 15 families. So fill out a form and uh, give me the form or or give Christy or David the form and 
we'll, we'll go through them. So they're on that back table back there. What else do we have going on? Oh, six skulls. Next slide. This is one of my favorite things. So if you don't know Lakeway, we partner up with these guys, the Six Skulls. They're a motorcycle club in town. And this is their flyer, not our flyer. They do a toy run the second Sunday of December every year. And we distribute the toys for them. So we partner with them to get those toys out. I love it. This has been going on for, it's on there somewhere, 11 years. This is the 11th year. What what I love about this most is that they came to us. Motorcycle Club comes to the church. Hey, we want to do this. Can you help us? So we've been doing that with them for 11 years. So it's pretty neat. So $10 donation per person. You don't have to limit yourself to $10. Or a new unwrapped toy. And then uh, it starts here. They do the the ride. and, And where do bikers end up? In the bar. It ends in the bar over at Rick's. That's where we raise the money. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> Give it about an hour. <laughs> that's where we raise the money. But I love, I love the toy run. So that's December the 5th. And if nothing else, just come by. It's neat to see all the bikes and see them all leaving out of here. Uh, I forgot to mention this last week. If you want to be part, if you're not a member of Lakeway, and you want to become a member of a church that does these things? It's a little bit different than a lot of churches. Next week, I believe it is, November 14th. It's a little late. We're having our church membership class. If you would like to be a part of that, I need you to, to write on something and drop it in that offering there by Lynn and let us know that you, you want to be a part of it. Sorry for the short notice. That's your inefficient pastor. I should have mentioned this before. If we don't have anybody sign up because it's too short notice, we'll have one pretty quick after the new year. But if you want to be part of a church that rides bikes with motorcycle clubs, that goes into prisons, and Randy's downtown yesterday. We're out working on the gable, and Randy leaves in the middle of it to go downtown and serve homeless people. Then he comes back again, and uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So sign up for that. What else have we got going on? That's it, I think. Yes. Please be faithful with your offering. You can give online. You can give here. You can mail it in. We'll take your money any way that you want to give it. Please be faithful. It's about giving to God. Can we circle back to the things give away for We can. You want to talk? Yes. Hang on. Can I get you to come out here? Because the people online can't hear you. Okay. We're thankful for everyone who, who uh, partners with us and, and donates the food items. It's, it's such a blessing in this event where everyone comes together. But every year that, that we do this, it seems the, the most stressful part for me is actually finding the families. And surprisingly, you think that would be very easy, but it's not always. And right now we have three. And every year, you know, I'll get up right to the wire, and I'm, I'm asking God to provide these families, you know, that, so we can, can go out and, and provide these blessings to these people. And we get opportunity to go in their homes and, and listen to their need and, and share a little bit of, of the gospel with them sometimes and uh, just share a little bit of love and, 
and pray with them, and it's always a blessing. We usually leave more blessed than maybe the families, but that's where our need is. And it's not always just financial need. You know, if if we've got families that have been through hardships with, with other family members and you know, just not having that stress to put that meal completely together, you know, illnesses in the family, you know, it, just anything that, that you think um, would would help this family out, uh, don't be afraid to bring it to our attention and, and put those families before us. And, um, again, just don't think it's about financial need. It's it's often much more than that. So thank you. Thank you, David. And also um, delivery teams. For Thanksgiving morning, we meet here typically 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 8, and go out and deliver these meals. All right, I think that's enough, right? Cowboys play today? Yes. Right now. They've only lost one game, haven't they? It's because I'm not wearing the shirt. (laughs) Please stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for each one that you've brought here this morning. I thank you for the ones who are watching us online in their various places. We have people that watch us in the Philippines, in England, in Canada. Father, again, I pray you would pour out your blessing upon us so that we will go from here and be a blessing. Father, teach us to be compassionate and teach us to accept your compassion. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week. Remember, November 11th is Veterans Day. Say thank you to a veteran.